0: Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two ministers of God's economy who served together in China for nearly 20 years. an exhaustive commentary on the entire Bible. This program is based on those messages. Before we join today's show, we'd like to give you our website where you can find more programs just like this one. It's lsmradio.org. Again, lsmradio.org. Now, here's our show today. At the time the Lord Jesus was on the earth... The biblical religion of the day, Judaism, had many strict ordinances prohibiting all manner of activities on their holy Sabbath day, including healing the sick. And yet the Lord Jesus purposely broke many of the ordinances, as he not only healed the sick against the traditions and regulations of the Sabbath, but he would do so in the presence of the religious leaders, many times offending them. We will look at an interesting case today of the violation of these religious regulations, but with the purpose as the Lord Jesus was continuing to usher in the real New Testament jubilee. Dick Taylor has joined us for a life study from Luke today. And, Dick, it's interesting that the Lord was just not out to break religious regulation. He had a definite purpose, didn't he?
1: He surely did. He not only broke the regulation, but he was there to replace it, completely undo it and replace it. The reality of the Sabbath, for example, is just Jesus Christ himself. Without him, there's no rest in this universe.
0: This is an interesting account, Dick, that we have today between the Lord and some of these religious leaders. And it gives us a very vivid picture of just how religion was standing in complete contrast, even in opposition to the Jubilee, especially this aspect of enjoying Christ. Even today, we continue to see this contrast at times, don't we? We surely
1: do, Chris. It's very easy, as a Christian, even. Just to come under the law and try to be a good person, to behave properly, to have all the virtues that you read about in the Bible, and totally miss Christ who sets you free from all that kind of thing and brings you into the jubilee, the real enjoyment of just himself. He is our real God-given portion, and our need is to focus on Christ. Any other focus will bring us into captivity, but we need to be set free by Christ himself, who purposely broke the Sabbath here to bring us to himself. May we all be brought to our dear Lord Jesus.
0: Well, Dick, uh, we pray every time we record one of these broadcasts that that would be the eventual result of all that we do. Uh, And that really needs to be our own daily living, doesn't it?
1: It really does. And I think in this case, Chris, it shows us how the Lord is the reality of the Sabbath. We don't need to keep the Sabbath. And Exalting ourselves should not replace Christ, and loving our soul life should not replace Christ. Nothing in this universe should replace Christ. Let's gain Christ.
0: All right, let's look at a few of these verses in chapter 14. Uh, Right at the beginning of the chapter, verse 1 begins, And as he went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees on a Sabbath to eat bread, they were watching him closely. And behold, there was before him a certain man suffering from dropsy, And Jesus answered and spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they were quiet. And he took hold of him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having a donkey or an ox that falls into a well, will not immediately pull it out on the Sabbath day? And they were not able to reply to these things. Let's join Witness Lee Dick.
2: Now we come to another section which is later concerning the Jubilee. In this section, in the whole chapter 14, it opens again with uh, the uh, matter of keeping Sabbath. You can see some sovereignty exercised by the Lord there. One of the leaders of Pharisees invited the Lord to eat, and while he was there, there was a man of dropsy. Within him full of water, that means his inner system doesn't work uh, properly. The man was there on the Sabbath. Whether this man went there on his own or whether he was asked by the Pharisees to be there as a temptation to the Lord, it's hard to say. Anyhow, it was sovereign servant of the Lord that this man was there. When the Lord saw this man, As the Pharisees and uh, all his people were watching the Lord to see what he would do, he healed this man, and he broke the deformed sabbatical regulation again. Listen, the Pharisee invited the Lord to eat, and the disciples, they may think that the uh, sabbatical regulations was right. And uh, the religion to keep Sabbath was right. So, in this occasion, the Lord took the uh, opportunity to break the Sabbath. That means to break their kind of religion. To impress his disciples he was not coming to Jerusalem for the religion. Rather, he came there to break it. To uh, belittle it. So... This short section begins with the putting down of that present religion.
0: Dick, this is uh, an interesting light that he shed on this story here uh, this time. Particularly, I was considering how he mentioned he did it perhaps for the benefit of the disciples, uh, maybe more even than for the Pharisees and lawyers, uh, to somewhat break their understanding. And they've been now traveling for some time on their way to Jerusalem and they knew that was the destination of this long journey they had been on throughout the Gospel of Luke. Uh, and now they're about to, to come to Jerusalem. And so this event, describe how this would be a benefit or a help to them.
1: Well, it certainly makes it very clear that God's focus is not religion. His focus is altogether Christ. In fact, I'd like to uh, define again what is religion. Religion is just worshiping God without the enjoyment of Christ. So to be keeping the Sabbath is to just keep something with no enjoyment of Christ. He was training the disciples, don't let anything replace me. I am your portion. I am your Jubilee. So he was training them, don't let anything be a substitute for me. Your job is to enjoy me. I am the reality of the Jubilee. Without me, you are absolutely in captivity. Without me, you have no portion. The Sabbath is no longer your portion. I am the reality of the Sabbath. I was thinking too, uh, Chris, of Colossians two, sixteen, seventeen, 17, where... Paul said we have eating drinking Sabbath new moon etc right but there he said the substance the body the reality is Christ himself so I believe Chris that the Lord was training the disciples to let nothing replace him nothing substitute for him he is the reality of the real rest and we need to enjoy him in this age even preparing for the coming age may we be those who hear this and become very exercised to enjoy him as the real Sabbath.
0: Dick, this follows not long after uh, what was a very clear window into where even the disciples were at at the time. This, And I'm talking about the account of the disputing between them as to who could sit on the right and who could sit on the left, even among the disciples, indicating that their idea in coming to Jerusalem was that the Lord Jesus was going to establish his earthly open kingdom on the throne in Jerusalem, right? That's right. And we know that would be the millennial rest. That would be the thousand-year
1: millennial rest. And that millennial rest, again, is Christ in the full taste as the reality of the Sabbath. But right now, we need to be those who don't focus on the outward, but rather focus on Christ himself as the reality. In our daily life, if we would be those who practice day by day to enjoy him as the Sabbath. As the real rest, then we're really prepared for the full coming of the kingdom, and that is the coming Sabbath rest, where Christ is the reality of the Sabbath for a thousand years.
0: Well, Dick, not only were the disciples occupied with this question, but we see in the next few verses the Pharisees had a similar question. They were all jockeying to see who would sit in the most honorable places, and part of the Lord speaking there addresses this, and he encourages them not to take the place of honor, but to take the last place and wait to be invited up to a more honorable position. And then one of the Pharisees responds to him in verse 15, indicating that he knows something Mm -hmm. uh, related to the kingdom. And the Lord takes an opportunity here, and this is the story that has been used many times to preach the gospel. And it's a marvelous gospel parable, the one where invitations were sent out to come to a wedding feast right. and man after man, person after person makes excuse, this mm-hmm. excuse and that excuse until eventually even the lowly ones are offered an invitation and I think it will be opened up in a marvelous way in this coming portion. Here's Witness Lee.
2: The Lord purposed to show His disciples he's going to Jerusalem was absolutely not for religion but rather just to put religion down. Then... Quite interesting. While he was there, he saw the situation among the Pharisees and the lawyers. Everybody was exalting himself, even uh, in the matter of seating. Everyone wants to uh, sit at the highest place, not the last place. Lord Jesus saw that, and the Lord Jesus said something about that, teaching them as teaching the little children. When you will be invited... To uh, eating, behave yourself. Don't go to take the first place. Then one of the Pharisees pretended to know something religiously. He talked about the blessing to enter into the kingdom of God. The Lord Jesus took the chance to give a parable. If you read the story, you could see the Lord's intention is there to show those Pharisees that God has really invited them, yet every one of them asked for an excuse. Everyone denied God's invitation. And that forced God to go to the poor people, to the people who are poor, who are crippled, and who are lame and able to walk, and who are blind and able to see, after that there was still room in God's salvation. So God sent the slaves to go out to the uh, hedges. That means to the gentle world to collect people in, and eventually all of those who have been invited by God, such as Pharisees, scribes, lawyers, none of them will be able to enter into the kingdom of God, and this, no doubt, is a good parable for salvation. To be saved, you don't need to do anything, you just answer God's invitation. To be saved, you just come to receive what God has prepared for you. As long as you would answer his invitation and accept what he has prepared for you, you are okay. You are saved.
0: Dick, we've been uh, seeing a lot of parallels between the Jubilee and the kingdom. Now we have this parable, uh, and we've seen that the period of the kingdom, the coming kingdom, will really be an advanced stage of jubilee as a reward. But now we have this parable of the invitation to the feast, and it really is a parable that is focused on salvation, isn't
1: it? It surely is, because uh, the main point here is, hear the invitation, come whosoever will. And the Lord is exposing those who are high-minded, exalting themselves, uh, thinking that they're somebody. And uh, what happens is these ones all make excuses when they're invited. So the Lord goes to the lowly, to the crippled, to the blind. Uh, so the point is, with salvation, we just need to hear the invitation and respond. We need to receive what God has prepared for us. And again, Chris, isn't it good? What are we receiving that God's prepared for us? Christ. right? Christ is the real jubilee. He is the reality of salvation. So what we need to do according to this parable, is to respond to God's invitation to enjoy His Son. And uh, it doesn't matter what background we came from, forget about self-exaltation. Christ Himself is the Exalted One. We just need to respond and enjoy Christ. Jubilee means enjoying Christ. Religion means worship God with no enjoyment, even fighting for first place. But eventually you get nothing. Let's just hear the invitation and come and receive what God's prepared for us. That's our wonderful Christ.
0: So in this story, in this parable, Dick, the point is that all that is necessary for our salvation is, just as you pointed out, our response to this invitation. That's right. Just willingness to come. That's right. We just say, Lord, I come. And that is our salvation by faith in Christ alone and the free gift of God, eternal life. But now we see, as we continue on, the Lord's tone is going to turn in verse 25 uh, because now we're no longer talking about just salvation, but another aspect, and again, that aspect of reward uh, comes into focus here. Amen. And uh, the context is very important as we get into this portion, and that's why I wanted to link them uh, because now we come in the very next breath, the Lord now turns this way. And there were great crowds going along with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and moreover, even his own soul life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. A much different tone here, isn't it, Dick? Surely. Let's go back to Witness Lee.
2: Verse 25, it says, A great crowd were going along with him, And he turned and said to them, If anyone come to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children, and brothers and sisters, and moreover, his own soul life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now you can see the tone is absolutely changed. You see, to receive salvation is one thing, to receive the reward is another thing. To be saved by grace is one thing. To be rewarded according to our following of the Lord is another thing. This is why in this chapter, after preaching the present religion, this chapter goes on to tell us about God's salvation and about God's reward. To enjoy Christ says, there's no condition as long as you believe in him. You accepted God's invitation, you take God's offer, that's good. You just enjoy Christ, but you have to enjoy Christ faithfully. Otherwise, you will lose this enjoyment of Christ in the coming age, in the kingdom. So the kingdom will be a reward in the 1,000 years to the faithful enjoyers of Christ. And that reward will be also a jubilee, a fuller jubilee. Today's jubilee is real, but just a foretaste. It's not jubilee in full, it's just a foretaste. Yet you have to enjoy that foretaste faithfully. God presented you such a foretaste, you have to regard this foretaste. In enjoying this jubilee, that means enjoying Christ, we have to do it faithfully. Every day, try to keep yourself in a good and faithful enjoyment of Christ. That means to keep yourself in God by praying, right? And to keep yourself in the kingdom of God for the full enjoyment of Christ in this age. And such an enjoyment will qualify you to enter into the coming kingdom.
0: Well, Dick, our accepting of the invitation is really our first experience of enjoying this one. That's right. But now we're seeing if we don't continue to enjoy him, if we don't faithfully enjoy him, even daily, we will miss out, won't we? We surely will.
1: Isn't that wonderful, Chris, that the Lord's desire is to give us himself in a full way of enjoyment? That's the coming jubilee. But the jubilee today is a foretaste of that coming jubilee. And how do we enter into the full taste? It's by maintaining the foretaste. Uh I just appreciate so much, Chris, that the Lord wants us to be double winners. Number one, we would enjoy him in this age. Number two, we enjoy him in a full way in the next age. So the way to be ready to enjoy him in a full way, that is the complete manifestation of the Jubilee, is to enjoy him every day in this age. And I appreciate so much that he says the opposite of this is to love your soul life, to love your father, mother, brothers, sisters more than the Lord, Uh, or to love your soul life This means that in this age, rather than loving and enjoying Christ, we're loving and enjoying other things. We're loving our soul life. So we must lose our soul life in this age that we might have the full enjoyment in the coming age. How do you lose your soul life in this age? There's only one way. That's by enjoying Christ now. The soul life was meant for enjoyment. Man's real enjoyment is to receive Christ, to be filled with Christ, and to express him. That's the real enjoyment. We were meant for this kind of enjoyment. So to lose our soul life means that we would be those who don't love other things. We love to receive Christ, be filled with Christ, and express Christ. That's jubilee. So that's the meaning of the soul life. The soul life is a matter of enjoyment, but not the things of this age, but rather Christ as the jubilee. And uh, as he mentioned here, we can enjoy him by keeping ourselves in God through praying. One of the simplest prayers we can pray any time of the day is, Oh, Lord Jesus, or Lord, I love you. As we just exercise the depth of our being just to contact the Lord, open to the Lord, enjoy him and love him, we maintain our enjoyment And we maintain the foretaste of Christ as the Jubilee, getting ready for the full taste of Christ in the coming millennial kingdom. So the moral of the story here is that we want to be those who enjoy him now to prepare for the full enjoyment of the Jubilee then. Let's enjoy
0: Christ. We'll pick this up again uh, about hating, what the Lord really means here when he says to hate father and and mother and wives and children, because of course we know on the other hand that we are charged by God in his word to love our wives. Right. Uh, But what we're talking about here is a principle of other things crowding out the enjoyment of Christ, aren't we? That's right. The point
1: he's making is don't let anything replace me. We love our father, mother, brother, and sister. We want to take care of them, but they should never replace our love for Christ. We want to be those who are enjoying him as the reality of the Jubilee. We're not here for religion. We are here for the enjoyment of Christ.
0: Amen. Amen. And Dick, I think a lot of people come to this passage, this particular verse, verse 25, and probably scratch their heads. Uh, So I I hope we've been able to uh, add some clarity to it, but we do invite our listeners back. We'll pick it up again from here and uh, this will be developed even uh, more fully. But I do appreciate your participation and your enjoyment of Christ, and it always refreshes me. You've been away for a while, and uh, we're glad to have you here and hope that we can get you back. Oh, it's good to be back, Chris, and I, I just love this wonderful Christ who's our jubilee. Well, let's uh, invite our listeners to call us, uh, find out about the printed Life Study messages and the other things that we offer at LivingStream. Our toll-free number, one eight 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 888 life study That's 888 Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814, or you can send email to us, radio at lsm.org. For Dick Taylor, I'm Chris Weil. Thank you for listening today. was Jesus simply a great religious leader the next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world John chapter 1 verse 29 based on the scriptures the religious people were looking for a great leader but Jesus was introduced to them as a little lamb with a little dove the lamb is for redemption to redeem fallen man back to God. and The dove is for life-giving, for anointing, to anoint man with what God is, to bring God into man and man into God. Both the lamb and the dove are needed for man to participate in God. Scripture, John 1.29 and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version published by Living Stream Ministries. For more information, visit lsm.org.